Welcome, welcome everybody to the newest episode of the Tackle Podcast, weekly sports chat podcast, where we uh, we talk about sport, bring up the big issues in sport. By all means, I mean, weird enough, we try and tackle those as much as we can. Uh, <laughs> um, we also bring you a sort of round up of the weekend's, uh, weekend's action. Uh, really, we just give our opinions and talk shit on sport. As say, ladies and gentlemen, who say every week, you know the drill by now. Uh, we're well, so again, we're into another d- double digit podcast. I'm actually surprised we've lasted this long, Ross. I ain't going to lie to you. Um, so, big, big shout out, big thank you to everybody who's been supporting the pod, uh, helping grow the pod. Likewise, if you do like the pod, by all means, give us a like, give us a share, tell your mates, tell your mum and dad, tell your, tell your neighbour when they're walking their dog or something, and they can obviously pop it on and wherever they get their podcasts. Um, Ross, how you doing, big man? How's, how's it going? How's your weekend been? Have you been catching the Rays? I have been catching the Rays. Uh, yeah, I went to went down to Brighton this weekend with, uh, with the family. Nice. Uh, the missus got some family down there, so that was, that was beautiful. Although, Did you have a donkey uh, ride? Uh, I didn't. I didn't. I am a bit of a donkey though, because I did uh, fall asleep in the sun rays for about an hour with no uh, sun cream. So, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't need to comment that myself. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, from behind, I am white as anything, and from the front, I sort of resemble a a lobster. So, um, it's nice to get away. Your arms and legs are literally the, the squashy sweets. They are, they are squashies. Uh, but like I said, mate, it was nice to get away, have a little walk on the beach, re, you know, recharge batteries, super I, good stuff. Uh, ice, how cream, was yours? ice cream, ice cream, or no ice cream? Uh, oh yeah, plenty of ice cream. It is a question. Cream, is a question for you. It came up in the. It came up in a, a debate uh, I had earlier in the week. If you had to rate your top three ice creams, and I know we're diverting from sports shop, ladies oh, and gentlemen, this is wow. this is this is important shit. This is important stuff. Let's let's tackle the big issues right now. The big issue you, in the world. Yeah, big issue, big issue. Not not necessarily the guys selling the magazines in you know in your local town centre, but the big issue. If you had to name your top three ice creams, what would they be? No particular order, top by three. the way. Just just, wow. just top three. Top three. I'm from uh, all right. Well, I don't think you can beat a Magnum. Which just one plain, though? Proper, proper chocolate, just normal chocolate. Not even white. Mm, see, I'm torn between the white and the milk chocolate. I white magnums matter, Ross. White magnums matter. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, they, yeah, I think they do. Um, I, I, I'm going to go with milk. There's just the milk chocolate magnums. Controversial. Gonna, I like it, but okay. I'm going to disappoint you on this one. Go on. Um, do you know what I really like as well? It's a massive kid. I like like a Twister. Twister, I'm strong like, choice. I, you know, call me call me a giant kid, but uh, loves. A I mean, twister. you've been called worse, but okay, cool. Uh, exactly, exactly, yeah. And ah, uh, oh, put me on the spot here. Eh? This is a big one I'm again. We're tackling the big issues. The big issues. This this is important shit. People want to know when they go uh, to ice cream man in a week. I mean, if the sun sun's right, what are they getting? If you if they get if they, so we got Magnum, we got Twister. What's the third ice cream they should get? Obviously, by I, all means, guys, eat ice cream responsibly. We don't want to add to the nationwide obesity issue, but okay. Got to be a ninety nine on it with a flake. You can't beat that, can you? I mean, that's just that, that is just a classic. I mean, the fact that you haven't mentioned like the mint feast or festival, just no, means... no mint and ice cream, just get out. Like it is. It's a travesty, like pineapple on pizza. I just I mean, no. P- pineapple on pizza is terrible, but mint uh, mint feast and mint festivals are like the dodge. Me and you have a scrap live on the pod. I oh, mean, we might have to scrap it out, aren't we? 
Yeah, and also like the knobbly bobbly. Oh, the knobbly bobbly. Yeah, me oh, knobbly bobbly. Old fab. school. What about the fab? Fabs are shit. Fabs are shit. What? Fabs are shit, mate. <laughs> you don't and anyway, this is the last episode of the Tackle Podcast. <laughs> thanks for all your support. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, thanks, everyone. Uh, by all means, don't go out and buy any fab soon. By all means, support, uh, support Team Mint Feast. Uh, we are anyway. sponsored by Nestle this week. <laughs> I wish I wish we were. By the way, Nestle, if you are listening to this pod and you want to sponsor, you want to sponsor the pod, get in touch at the uh, slide in our DMs at the Tackle Pod uh, on Instagram or Twitter, or just likewise straight into my DMs because I'll be more than happy to just be sponsored in the ice cream. But uh, nonetheless, I'm good. I'm good. I can't complain to be honest. It's sun's out. I've been there. I've had the singlet on. Uh, you know, I've been trying my best to get a tan. It's not really worked. The factor two hasn't worked. Be honest. Um, and also, I've got the wear now, which me I also forget to put the sun cream on top of the head which is is a nightmare but funny enough i've seen loads of pictures of people falling like, like yourself falling asleep in the sun with the masks on and then like oh. i mean and girls only get the problem with the tan lines as it is but when they <laughs> you know some some might be listening to this podcast yeah i know what you're talking about but tan lines on the face of the mask that i mean if any of you are those sort of people and you're just donuts a week already we don't even have to go over that although we will um but yeah likewise guys if you have any controversial ice cream opinions or you disagree with our opinions or you yourself had some terrible talent mishaps, let us know. Jo- jo- slide in our DMs, uh, as we say, on the Tackle Pod, uh, Instagram, on Twitter. Or, t- or by the way, we've got a group uh, like our page on Facebook at the Tackle Podcast. You know, score now, ladies and gentlemen. You can find us on Apple uh, Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or good podcast providers. Uh, but yeah, I think. Ross, uh, I'll that's enough for ice cream and shit lying in sun chat. As much as we want the sun to stay. Um, it's time to dive straight into the news. Let's get physical with this one. Dive straight in. Gareth Southgate, he's trimmed. He, do you know what? As we said last week on the pod, he's done the, the testing of the field. He's gone on a few dates. You know, he swipes right a couple of times, maybe a couple of super likes. And uh, he, he now knows his 26-man squad. He's bought, He's binned off the, the seven guys who's not going by text. Um, let's dive into it. What's your thoughts? Who, who's gone? Who stays? Who, who do you think was unlucky to miss out? What's your thoughts? Yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> I do actually want to give a shout-out to Reese James. Uh, as I did uh, suggest, he may not go uh, last week. Um, I know we're going to come into the Champions League final, but he was brilliant. Um, quite, quite rightly picked in the Euros. Um, got, just got to throw that out there. Um, I thought Jesse Lingard was maybe a bit unhappy, maybe a bit unlucky. I think to not get picked. What baffles me is that he is starting tonight's game as we speak. Going to play in Austria, nil nil half time. Jesse Lingard is playing the game. I mean, I know playing for England would be absolutely huge, but I kind of feel like Southgate's gone, yeah, come on, we'll get a game, but that's it. But, and if, if this is warm-up for the Euros, why are you not playing the players that are going to be starting? I know because of injuries and things like that, but surely you'd want them to play together. Um, this is like, anyway, right, so what he's done uh, is he's gone on all these dates, right? like we said, another Tinder analogy, yeah. and he's... He's liked 
he's gone on a few days. He's whittled it down. He's like, I like you. I like you. He's good looking. Like, you know, he got a big penis. Uh, he probably could bear, but you know, there's one or two he's not sure about. He's probably giving them the second date option thinking I'll give you another girl, but realistically just leading them on, just leading them on. Like, Oh, you know who you are. You know who you are leading these people on. You have no intentions. So shit, Gareth, shame on you. Um, but, Looking at the list of people who've been, who've been missed out, Mason Greenwood withdrew from the squad due to injury anyway. Whether or not, I'll be honest, I'm not sold on that. But anyway, he's not in the squad. Uh, I mean, we called it last week on 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 the pod. The likely casualties: Aaron Ramsdale. He played for the worst team in the Premier League. Can't see how he was getting in. Ben White, Ben Godfrey, new caps, been let go. James Ward-Prowse was tipped to make the squad, uh, but he's been left out, and so has Ollie Watkins. I mean, where do we think England are going to be short? I mean, are they short? I do think they've got pretty good quality throughout the squad, to be honest. Do we think a few of those may be called up based on injuries? Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, like that 26, that squad of 26, the, the, the quality of depth that they've got is just sensational, really. I mean, you know, we... we We've been in, well, the problem is we've been in situations before where we have had absolutely unbelievable football teams and we have won absolutely nothing. Um, what confuses me is how England are still favourites to win the Euros, which mate, uh, I think they'll win it, mate. I'm, I'm I am laying the claim down. Me, I, I'm not I'm sure. I mean, I, I look at someone like France and I just think I can't like. The quality that they've got throughout their squad, like they're going to take some beating. You know, you, you've always got the Germans who always a dog shit for you know for eighteen months comes to a a, a, a tournament and then just kind of turn out to like prime Barcelona. Um, but yeah, I, I think look, look, I think we'll go well. I think we've got quality all over the squad. Um, I, the only place I would say maybe. We're lacking this kind of midfield. Um, you joking? But, we got um, a lot. But, but this is what I mean. But even midfield, it's still it's still class. And the only reason why I say I'm lacking is it is that I am comparing us to the likes of France or I don't know, like a Belgium. But you know, they do have the elite players, and that's obviously why they're playing in the Euros. But I, I think still the difference think on that point. Ross, I think the difference on that point is although the likes of, say, Belgium, France, probably not Spain anymore, but, you know, like Germany, the reason probably that their midfields are renowned or so good is they're pretty solidified. I think midfield Mm. is probably the only area of Southgate's team uh, that he's really not sure about. That and right back, of course, because he's picked about 16 right backs in the squad. So, uh, (laughs) after squad, after squad, the right backs. I mean, yeah. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure if you could have another one, it would. But I think that's the problem that, look, you've got, what, four attacking midfielders and you can only really play one, maybe two. You know, I, although, I tell you what, I'm watching, you know, obviously watching this game tonight, England-Austria, uh, Jude Bellingham's in for a good night. I'm pretty sure he's going to get sucked off, right? The way the fucking commentary team's going on about it. I thought, Jesus Christ, you know, we've been late. Look, no disrespect to Jude Bellingham. I think he's, he's, he's a good player. He will be a classy player. I mean, he's only 17-year-old, I know, to have a shirt retired. Uh, before he's eat, before he's retired, so go figure. But they're talking like he was quoted on watch you know, when we was watching the the pre match commentary before this game as a Rolls Royce of a midfielder. I thought, well, the last person I know to be labelled as a Rolls Royce midfielder was Paul Scholes, and I don't think he's quite Paul Scholes just yet. I'm not saying he isn't, but yeah, I think 
you know, defense looks pretty sound, doesn't it? I mean, if Harry Maguire is fit, I think he starts. You know, the likes of up front, definitely obviously Harry Kane, Rashford, Sterling, probably. You know, obviously might be a few dropping changes, which people might listen to pod might say. But midfield, I th- you could probably have about ten different combinations. Yeah, you could. And to be honest, every single one of those combinations will be real quality and classy midfield. You know, the ability that we've got in there and the quality we've got is great. But I mean, you know, I'm just kind of clutching at straws, really. That is maybe the kind of the only bit that I would say against the, you know, the top teams. Maybe that's where we're slightly lacking. But, you know, it's, it's a time to be excited. Um, you know, I think we I think we should go well in these Euros, and I, I can't wait for it all to start. I don't know how, I don't know how you're feeling, Leon. With you, I'm excited. I'm going to say it now. I'm saying it right now. I'm claiming it. We're going to put, you know, we're going to put out there. It's coming home. The Tackle podcast. You know, we're a team. It's coming home, and I know I'm going to get excited. You know, I'm probably going to get so far, and then I'm going to get disappointed. And no, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not talking about one of my my past Tinder dates. Uh, <laughs> but but, but gen- <laughs> genuinely, <laughs> I bet you'll be surprised. Amount of times I think it's game on, and then I'm just let down, and it's just oh yeah, I'm yeah, disappointed. Sorry, too, yeah, it's all right, mate. It's too many times. You know, hey, <laughs> someone someone's got to you know give them the right swipes, aren't they? Someone's got to pay pay for their drinks and or maybe go home crying to pillow. It might as well be me. <laughs> um, but look, at the end of the day, I do think uh, I do think England have got. A, you know, a solid defence. I think, you know, they've got solid attack. Maybe, obviously, they need to work a few kinks out and just basically decide on their best 11. Um, I think the problem is, is with Southgate, the times to experiment, he hasn't. And the times where he shouldn't, he has. So now, for example, you've got, you know, you shouldn't be experimenting now when you're, what, 11 days out from a major tournament, but you've got the likes of Jesse Lingard, who isn't in your squad playing for England today. I, it just, I don't quite understand the tactic there. Whether or not he's trying to protect a few players or rest a few players, don't know. But Southgate, we wish you all the best. It's coming home. Hashtag coming home. Uh, we look forward to seeing you. Sticking with football, Ross, big management changes in, in well, in Europe, to be honest with you. Zinedine Zidane out of a job of uh, Real Madrid. He has left by mutual consent, claiming that he no longer sees himself, uh, you know, the relationship viable with him in Madrid. This is really sounding like a dating show. I mean, it sounds like he's gone for a breakup with, with you know, again, his Tinder dates failed Real Madrid. We wish you all the best. He's, he'll be back on, you know, topless pictures and, and what, uh, what have you on the dating apps. But, but mate, wait, I'll just go for it. Maybe we need to start some sort of like management Tinder, I think, where clubs can swipe left and right for managers. And then ultimately, if you get like a right swipe, you can interview. Or if you get super liked, you're straight in a job. I'm just going to pitch that. If someone wants to pick us up again, sign our DMs at Tackle Podcast. Maybe we'll make it happen. Again, Antonio Conte, he is out of a job uh, into Milan. Again, similar sort of scenario. That's, Wasn't... that's a weird, that's a weird one. You know, yeah. he's, just, he's just won. He's just won it. He's just from the Serie A. And he's out he's of out. a job. It, that's, that's odd. I mean, I know it's been rumoured that Spurs are, Spurs are in talks with Conte. So maybe watch this space, see what happens with... Uh, with Mr. Conte, whether he'll be back in London or not. Yeah, and well, I, I hope I hope he is. Um, I hope you know he's too good of a manager to 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 not well to not be a management. Frankly, it is a bit surprising that he was let go of Inter Milan, as you say, because he was Syria. But uh, the reason being is that he's came out and said that Inter weren't prepared to uh, to back him moving forward, which basically says I asked for some cash and you said no, so I'm leaving. Uh, he's, I say, being courted by Spurs, but you know. 
uh, Ancelotti, who is now now literally within uh, with an over, overnight become Real Madrid boss, uh, has left his post at Everton, and Everton also confirming he's going to be Real Madrid boss. Which again, it's like Real Madrid. It's like they broke up with they broke up with Zendine Zidane, all right, and you know Zendine Zidane thinking, oh, it's okay, like you know they're going to miss me. Real Madrid's moved on straight away. You know, they yeah, straight no on to the next one. It's, it, yeah, it's just like, oh, yeah, our relationship really meant something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, bang. She straight, you know, they say she, maybe Real Madrid is a she. Straight on to the next one. Anywho, do we think this is good for Real Madrid? Where's the Dan going to go? Where's Conte going to go? Obviously, Everton are managerless. Crystal Palace is still managerless because, of, as we mentioned uh, a few weeks ago on the pod, Roy Hodgson is out of a job. Wolves don't have a manager anymore because of Nuno's left. Uh, what's your thoughts? Yeah, it's a difficult one of, uh, like you said, it's a bit of a merry-go-round, isn't it? Who goes where? I think... This is why we need management Tinder. Like, this is why we need management yeah, Tinder, too. I feel like Nuno, maybe Everton would be a nice little step up for him. Um, obviously, I'm not sure what's going on. It's it's hard to know, you know, if, if a manager and a club both agree that you don't really want to manage anymore. You don't know what's going on. He might just want to have a break. Um it's difficult, um, you know. Where does where does Zidane go? I mean, does he I'll go anywhere? Well, well, I'll be interested to see what 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 happens at PSG. It's been told it's been told around at the moment that you know yeah. Tottenham, Tottenham obviously still have the parch. If they, well, obviously they're in talks with Conte as well. You know, if they don't get either, well, they don't get Conte, they want to get Poch. He wants to make a return to White Hart Lane potentially there that opens up a, a room for for Zidane and or Conte depending on obviously who, who they want but obviously they will want a high class manager Zidane as well obviously French did he I'm pretty sure did he play for PSG maybe he did I don't know fans let us know but I think that might be a good fit for him but we're yeah seeing... I can see Zidane trying to manage the French national squad I mean if if France don't have a, a great Euros it wouldn't surprise me if uh Maybe Zidane might be lurking in the background. Can you imagine I mean, it's, that? It's hard. It's hard to know, isn't it? But you know, Zidane, he's gonna get. He's gonna be at a big club. You know, he's not gonna. I, I can't picture the guy going to, you know, a smaller club. I think he's gonna be one of the elite clubs. And you know, he doesn't want to manage in England. Um, Which I find uh, strange. Know. Yeah, I mean, I know he can't speak English. It's a bit. He's probably, I mean, he's probably been to England where it's been pissing it down for weeks and gone, oh, no, not for me, uh, fuck this, you know, sort of like on the way out. But oh, I, it's just odd, isn't it? Like the whole, the whole merry-go-round, like what happens with Posh. I'm interested you know, to see if Zidane does. I'm interested to see if Zidane does become French national boss. Imagine it, you. So Zidane, you've just become French national uh, national boss after a disappointing campaign. Talk us through uh, your your tactics for France moving forward. Well, I believe that uh, that we're going to pass to Jean Baptiste, and if that does not work, we will focus on headbutting the opposition, and we will <laughs> we, we will win by headbutts. And I'm like, well, whoa, time out, time out, Zidane. This isn't the World Cup anymore. Remember what happened, mate. Um, but yeah, yeah it's in, interesting to see what yeah, happens what's there. Yeah, what's your space? Yeah. So, so, Ross, anything caught your eye in the news this week? Yeah, Sergio Aguero is now, you know, been unveiled as a Barcelona player. Um, yeah, we all knew it was kind of happening anyway, but seeing him in all those pictures so he can team up with uh, Leo Messi, which, uh, I mean, you know, those two together on paper are going to score absolute shed loads of goals. So, 
interesting to see how they do uh, the Champions League. I mean, it would be hilarious if Aguero went and won the Champions League with Barcelona next year. For me, that would, uh, <laughs> can you imagine? That'd be hilarious. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, he looked, he looked, you know, he looked quite happy. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how how Aguero goes. Um, but yeah, that was in the news today. Um, anything for you, Leon? Yeah, look, we've got a lot of news to 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 wrap you. I mean, sticking uh, let's just stick with football while, while we can. Euro committee have come out, and one one actually bit of news that I'm actually in support of. One bit of good thinking that UEFA and the Euro committee have, have actually decided to do over the last, you know, however many months and so is like right. What's 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 you know? I mean, they've had quite a bit some big issues to tackle. Should we tackle racism? Nah, it's too big to tackle. Should we tackle equality in European football? With Nah, nah, no, we don't want to do that. You know, we've been focused with the Super League. I know what we can do. Let's focus on the away uh, goal rule in, in our competitions. Yeah, let's do that. Which actually, to be honest, I'm actually in support of. They've actually binned off the whole away goal rule. So it literally will be on aggregate score rather than, you know, the, the team with the most away goals will go through if it is a tie. Um, I'm actually supportive of that because I do think we're going to get some more entertaining uh, entertaining football. We're going to probably see some more goals because no longer can you just score one goal and put eight in the fence and sit back. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Let's move on to boxing. Yeah. And I want to talk yeah. about this. I want to talk about this now, Ross, and get your thoughts on this. So Tyson Fury, we mentioned last week on the part, well, Mexico, it was on, then it's off, then it's on, now it's, it's it's off, you know, it's not happening for the time being. Tyson Fury is going to fight Deontay Wilder on July 24th. Uh, AJ yet to decide on whether or not he is going to take the fight or any penciled in with, with Alexander Usyk. So Fury is obviously fully committed to the Deontay Wilder fight. He's come out on Instagram and said, look, I'm going dark. Eight weeks till to the fight, big training camp coming up. Whilst he does that, his his dad, big John Fury, big up John Fury. We're big fans of you on Tackle Podcast. He comes out and I know, and I literally mean no no pun here, Ross. Pulls no punches in his interview when I ask his opinion on the whole spiel. I'm not sure if you've seen this. Yeah, I did. Uh, I, I'll be honest, I didn't see the didn't see the whole uh, whole interview. I have, I've saw snippets, but. Yeah, he it is just he doesn't hold back, does he? Um, I'm in agreement with him. Yeah, do you know what I agree as well? And what really struck me is like he was like he's, I know it's his son, but he's like a genuine boxing fan. I think that he just generally wanted to see that fight. Like everybody wants to see that fight. I don't, I don't want to see him fight Deontay Wilder again. Because what if what if Wilder? catches him do we then yeah. have a fourth fight and then you know we might say oh, they, never, they never fight each other this might be like a Mike Tyson coming out of retirement you know through that exhibition fight that he did when they're both 50 and they're fighting like I just yeah I, I, I just found myself agreeing with the major league you know if you're that confident Tyson Fury give up the belt smash Anthony Joshua and go back and fight Dante Welder because that, oh. that'll be a bigger fight if you beat AJ Absolutely. Like, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't if you haven't seen it, by all means, get on your social media, get on Twitter or or wherever you can, and and do find out if you're a boxing fan, see what Big John has to say. But he basically criticizes his own son's handling, and more to be fair, his son and his team's handling of the whole scenario. 
he talks about how the arbitration, we all knew about it. It was just out of the blue. We all knew it could happen, but there was a potential to squash it last December. And for some reason that didn't happen. Now it's, they just didn't. it's, it's led on and led on and on. He also talks about the controversy and sort of almost like the corruption of the Americans and, you know, how they are against um, boxing. And realistically, he's basically got to knock out Wilder again, or he's probably going to lose you know, they're not going to give him a point. I can't sit, you know, well, to be fair, we all know what ju- judges are like in America. Probably can't see Fury, even if he fucking <laughs> b- boxes his face off. Yeah. He does knock him out. He's probably not winning on points. But he does say how the business side was all handled, handled poorly, which was, you know, he's in a yeah. he's in he's, he's in a hallway in a stadium and they give him a contract. He signs it. Like business, he's absolutely right, John. Business isn't done like that. It's done in the boardroom. But I agree in that not only is he looking out for his son, it does feel like he's looking out for his son's best interests. But it does feel as though he is a massive boxing fan and he's disappointed that this fight isn't going to happen because it is the biggest boxing fight ever, I can I can imagine. And yeah, I mean, he, must get, he must get peppered with questions as well. Like, if you, like, you know, any journalist whatever speaks to him, it will be about that fight. Yeah. So, I mean, like, he, must be, he must be sick of it. Yeah, and I'm not sure... I'm not sure really whether or not he is still part. I mean, I, we all know Tyson uh, and John's sort of relationship and how, how close they are and and what have you. It does seem as though he's very critical of Tyson's lifestyle. And I'll be honest with you, I'm a big Tyson Fury fan. I like Tyson Fury, but I've been watching him sort of recently on the social media and he does do it to be more having a like, sort of like the social media party lifestyle in America opposed to like knuckling down and getting on with the job. And, you know, you haven't heard, you don't see AJ do that. You don't see Wilder do that or, or whoever. No, I'm not saying that's necessarily right or wrong, but the thing is, is if he's doing all this, he fights Wilder, he gets knocked out or he loses to Wilder. That will be, that will come back to haunt him when it? it'll be, well, you didn't focus hard enough. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. And look what's happened. That in addition yeah. to how the business has been handled, that in addition to, the delays and the postponements and all the basically bullshit that's gone on. I mean, I'm really not not sure what's happening with with in the head of Tyson Fury. And I, I really, you know, don't get me wrong, I want him to fight a big Tyson Fury fan. I'm pretty sure he knows what he's doing. He's not an idiot. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just obviously controversial when his dad comes out and criticizes the whole ordeal. But anyway, we will uh, we'll obviously look to see what happens there. And obviously, we still are yet to hear from Deontay Wilder. Stick with boxing. Obviously, Mayweather takes on uh, Logan Paul in a weird exhibition match this Sunday. Uh, Mayweather put oh. his 50 and 0 uh, career lineage on the line to basically a YouTuber uh, with a zero for one record. I can only see it's going one way. <laughs> uh, the whole thing's a farce. Honestly, I think they just just take the piss out of boxing, really. You know, I, I know they're YouTubers and all this. I know they've been training, but Ah, uh, I mean, you imagine if you're a boxer, I'm still baffled. I'm still baffled that YouTuber years. is an official job. Oh, it's not, is it? They're called influencers or whatever it is now. I just, oh, it, I just, yeah, it just, for me, it just, if, if you know, if I was a boxer and I can see these guys coming in, you know, with virtually no experience and fighting whoever they want, it just, it does uh, make a mockery of all, yeah, doesn't it? I just hope. I'm not Mayweather's biggest fan, but I really hope he does the whole world a favour and just knocks this guy out. Honestly. Yeah, that's it's it. Just... I don't I don't even want him to do his normal, I'm gonna dance around for 12, 12 rounds and just like box red off. I want him I want him to go in there like Wimbledon. Oh yeah, I, you know, I really I want, want him to like... I really yeah, I want windmills, 
I want haymakers. I just want him to knock him out. I really want him to knock him out. And then he'd be a zero for two record. We all laugh at Logan Paul. You know, got your hat. Yeah, well, I got your reputation because I knocked you out. So I'm lucky. And then I'll fight your brother next. Anywho, um, moving on quickly to uh, to rugby now. I love this story. It's brilliant. The Ritz have come out. They're now sponsored by the the gay dating app Grinder. Israel Falau has ruled himself out of a move to Brits. Uh, <laughs> funnily enough, um, <laughs> unsurprisingly, <laughs> I mean, big up, obviously, Brits doing their bits as you know for for the LGBTQ plus community and obviously raisins. You know, why wouldn't they? You know, why wouldn't they be sponsored by Grinder? But obviously, it is big, obviously, for not only for rugby union but for the likes of a French team to do it. So big up Brits doing bits. Uh, and I say raising sort of that 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 awareness, that fight, and breaking the stigma down in rugby, tennis. Let's move on to tennis. The big ones. Jamie Murray comes out today. Where is the reward for vaccinations ahead of obviously Wimbledon? Wimbledon's probably going to have no fans this year. Is he right to say that? Do you think? You know, sixty-five million people. I, I, look, let's not whether or not we do get onto the whole vaccination thing argument this isn't a healthcare podcast we talk about sport i mean to be unfair we talk a lot of shit about it but is he right in what he's saying yeah i think <clears throat> i think he is a, a, up to a point uh you know certainly if you've you know all we sort of really hear from the government that you know the way out of this is is with vaccinations and you know that's our that's our way back to back to normality but i yeah, you know, if, if people are vaccinated and this is our way out, then why are we not having fans in at Wimbledon? Um, you know, I know people feel very strongly that, you know, the whole COVID and the whole vaccinations and, you know, I don't want this to get political uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but yeah, you know, I just, I know crowds aren't huge at Wimbledon, but surely they can get limited crowd in. I mean, surely mm. some crowd's going to be better than no crowd at Wimbledon. Absolutely. And even if it's on the likes of like, you know, like Henman Hill, for example, where, you know, yeah. it's, it's a big grassy area, you can pretty much, you know, it's not the seats next to each other. It'd probably be easier to to do that maybe than, than I was segregated here. But look, we support, we've talked uh, on this pod before about how, you know, athletes and sports stars, uh, you know, politics almost mix. But I think he has got a point in that, you know, we've got 65 million people uh, vaccinated, in this country, well, at least with the first dose anyway, you know, confirmed today that oh, the over 50s and the vulnerable have 25 billion people have had their second dose. It does beg the question then if all these people are vaccinated, all these people are trying to protect, and rightly so, we've done a lot as a country, big up, you know, the UK for doing doing bits on that. But at what point do you go, yeah, actually, we need to start doing some, you know, start getting back to some, some normality. And if everyone's vaccinated, then so what? Like, why is everything still sort of postponed? Again, like, although on the flip side, you can argue there's people who, and they're well within the right not to accept the vaccination. You can't make a statement going, oh, the way out of it is vaccinations. We're all vaccinated. We're still going to have restrictions. Well, I don't understand. That doesn't make any sense. Um, but look, again, that is for no podcast and if anything guys that's something that we don't want dms on so let's just obviously do that right let's wrap up the news now ross big one we're moving on to the, our last point as we always do that's going to feed nicely into the big tackle naomi osaka unfortunately sadly has withdrew from the french open the reason being she's withdrew from the french open and she did 
pre-worn the French Open organisers. She has been struggling with bouts of depression and her mental health. And Naomi, we want to wish her the best. Of course we do. But she has refused to go ahead in the media due to some of the pressures and the questions she gets and how that's impacted her mental health and her depression effectively. She's got fined. She's then failed to, they've said, if you fail to uh, turn up to another media conference, you might be fined again and or disqualified. So she, although she was through, she's actually withdrew herself from the competition, which I'll be honest with you, you have all this stuff about mental health and you hear all this stuff about, you know, support. She comes out and says, I need this. or I'm doing this for my own mental health. And she's effectively punished. And the media haven't necessarily, and it's the media, to be fair, has driven to this. So let's come on to the big tackle, Ross, the media, the role of the media, you know, in sport and whether or not this is a topic we need to cover, we should cover, what the media's influences are, what the media mean to you in sport, where should we kick off? Well, I think, you know, for me, what really sort of sticks out is the fact she got fined when she came out and said, I don't want to do this. You know, I've been struggling with, with you know, my mental health, with, with bits of depression, but yet I'm still here. I'm going to play in your tournament, you know, to draw money in for you. I just, you know, I just don't really want to, want to speak to anyone, which she, you know, really she should be within her rights not to. And instead, she, you know, she slapped with a massive fine and said, you do it again, we're going to fine you again. And it's a sad state of affairs, really, when she probably feels she's got no other option um, to, to withdraw. So, um, you know, I just it just raises the question, you know, what what support are professional athletes getting? Because, you know, we see some press conferences and, and some questions from these journalists and it's just it's just it's just relentless. You know, there's no sort of. You, you don't really know what questions they're going to ask. They can ask whatever they want. And this, you know, this person who's just run around for two hours may have just lost a game. Someone asked a question, which is a bit of a stupid question. Like we, we like they're humans at the end of the day. We can't expect someone to play a two hour long game, lose a really close game, you know, because it might be a game that if you win, you're guaranteed 250 grand if you lose, you're guaranteed 100 grand. Yeah, that's a huge amount of money. Of course it is, but you would be gutted. And then some blokes ask you a silly question about something that upset you during the game. We can't expect these people to go, oh, yeah, it's okay, game's over. That annoyed me, I'm sorry. Like, I I would be in a foul mood. Like, you know, we've played rugby and, you know, probably more than the occasional once. I've had, I've had an absolute stinker of a game, you know, and we've lost and I've come off and I've been really annoyed. And if someone's there with a camera and a microphone going, oh, what about that pass that you dropped? Oh, what about that missed tackle? You're, you, you can't just sit in this sort of bubble and be like, yeah, oh, it was, yeah, you know, it's a mistake. Like, they're annoyed. And the problem is you then react to a, a shitty journalist question and then you're over the back pages. I just, I just feel, you know, like we just, we just need to do more and, I, I understand where she's coming from. Um, but, I mean, what was your take on it, Leon? I mean, I'm I think, sorry, I'm I, kind of going off No, I think you're spot on. And, you know, I think, when, look, we'll come on to, look, let's just take a little divert from the media per se. I think the one thing that sticks to me is that, you know, we, we, one thing that we may have spoke a couple of times on this podcast is we almost fail to forget that or fails to remember rather that 
these athletes, these sports stars, they're still human and, you know, they still have emotions and they still have feelings and, you know, they're entitled to opinions, whether or not you as a public agree or disagree is neither here nor there. They're still entitled to that. The fact is, is whether or not, and we're definitely something I want to, want to cover is whether or not that, that meets the, the narrative of the media is another question, isn't it? But let's just take Naomi Osaka as a as an example, and let's take the the theme of the media's narrative, not just in sport but in mainstream media. Again, min- mental health, and although we're not speaking specifically on mental health, mental health has never been you know the awareness of that has never been greater. This you know the stigma almost has never been so low, which is good, which is absolutely what we want. We want the stigma to be reduced. We want people talking. We want people to open up about their emotions and say, oh, "I'm struggling with this." Sex was there. I need help here, and absolutely, so they should. And then give them not only talk about it, not only say let's have a chat, but give them the relative tools, you know, and plans and strategies to overcome that. Now, for for whatever reason, Naomi Osaka has actually said, "Look, the media." contributed if anything to my poor mental health because as you say she's an athlete she's well if she loses she's well within a right to be pissed off she's well within a right to be critical of her she's probably more critical of herself let alone the media and we'll come on to criticism later on but the point being is she's made a step to help herself and she has been punished from that because it doesn't fit with the media. The, the, the media still want their pound of flesh. They still want to write their, but they still got inches of article columns to fill. And she stepping away from that is affecting their job. So on the one hand, where media last week was saying, oh, this is great, everyone's about mental health and everyone's doing this. The fact that she's done that, she's now public enemy number one. And as you say, she, not only that, she's then been fined for it, which I just find bonkers that... She's made this decision for her own benefit, and you've decided I'd say what we do rather than support her, which is kind of fine, to be honest. I think it's absolute horseshit, frankly, from from the French Open. And you know, I don't really care if they, they listen to it, they probably won't listen to this. But th- there's that, and it's actually the narrative, which begs my question. Are the media in sport an athlete's friend or not? Or does it matter on what their narrative is on that week? Yeah, I feel. Uh, I, I remember someone said something to me ages ago, um, and it's and it's forever stuck with me. And it's um, negativity sells. You know, what you see on the front page or on the back page of a press, if it's positive, yeah, you know, people will still buy the papers. Of course, they will. But if it's something negative, big headline, people are drawn into it. And the same with the back pages. You know, someone gets a. A scoop on someone and it all people like scandal don't they people like scandal people love a scandal and the problem is is that these journalists will always try and get you know get a reaction get some negativity because that's what's gonna sell the papers so you know people i remember when people used to do interviews you know or ask them some questions and you know, what was your influence growing up? But people don't really want to read that. People want to see, you know, they want to interview with Wayne Bridge or John Terry, you know, when that scandal was going on. That, I bet those papers sold by the millions when someone did an interview, you know, about, Wayne about Ro- that. Or so, Wayne, Wayne Rooney's picture of the prostitute, for example, and it turns out she's 80. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just... Or Manu Tuilagi's jumping off a boat or... 
or never mind that, you know, obviously some other rugby team smashed up a bar, but because it's England. Yeah. And yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's, it's stupid. It's, but are they their friends? I'm not sure. I feel it's quite difficult because I just feel that with an athlete, they can use the press to get some positivity out there, you know, get some good coverage. But I just feel that, you know, some newspapers probably not really that interested what they're interested in is the is the dirty you know the the scoops the exclusives the behind the scenes as someone said this someone's done that and uh, I, I think for me that's that's my problem and I know we sort of touched upon it but when it comes to kind of like mental health that you know these papers all come out and say yeah brilliant mental health some you know let's let's do x y and z and then you know, Naomi Osaka says, actually, show mental health. They're like, well, we still want our, you know, we still want our news, you know, we still want our answers to our questions. But in a way, she's probably fueling their fire because what you see over the back pages is now is that Naomi Osaka withdraw from the French Open in capital letters. But in the small print, all you see is she's decided because of her mental health, she's, you know, it's not going to improve her mental health. That's why she doesn't want to do it. The reasons behind it, you know, are all in kind of like the small print. And, you know, for me, it's just, I think it's difficult. I feel like the pressures give these athletes a real hard time. I know it's their job to ask, you know, questions at the end of the day, but yeah, you know, I just think some of the questions are stupid, you know, and do you, you think, know, like, do like you I said earlier, that, yeah. do you don't think on that point that you know there needs to be more done for the media and their regulation almost because it does feel as though you know they obviously people look you know they can write pretty much whatever they like whether you like it or not whether it's factual or not and there'll be people listening to this podcast or there'll be you know people not who will who know exactly what we're talking about and that not everything that the papers or whoever writes is hundred percent truth and as you say that is to get a reaction ultimately their businesses they need to sell paper they need clicks they need whatever they need to make money and if that means you know either you know getting an inside scoop or just talking horseshit if that's what if that's what they get then that's what they do and as you say this the harsh reality or the sad thing is if we take this naomi osaka incident not even i don't even think instance even the right word maybe but you know the the headlines versus the small print the small print what we should be focusing on but that's not the headline and it again puts naomi osaka in a bad position again i just think there's almost hypocrisy within the media and again we've we want some sport sporting media for example we've looked at caroline flat everyone's like be kind be kind be kind that lasted pretty much for about two fucking minutes frankly you know in it that- did, yeah yeah, and that be kind, be kind, be kind. But then as soon as you know someone's got an opinion, oh, blah, blah, dickhead, blah, blah, wrong, blah, blah, so on and so forth. I think, do you not think, though, that let's take a Naomi Osaka, do you think she needs the media, though? Because as much as we could say there needs to be regulation and that what they can and can't, can't produce, they will argue that, you know, they need an athlete still. And does an athlete need the media? Because without a bit of hype, without the media, the, the athlete doesn't get no hype, right? Without the media, they don't get a sponsorship deal. They don't get, you know, they don't get the the pictures for adverts and so on. So actually, where we've talked about potentially how media can go against athletes and cause them negativity and 
scandal and write negative press and all the bad stuff that probably piss an athlete off and not actually help their mental health. Is it a double-edged sword? Yeah, I, I, I think it is. I think it is. I mean, you know, you as, not you personally, but, uh, well, maybe you are an athlete. You are an athlete. But, you know, as a, you know, a professional sportsman or women, you know, you, you cannot control the media. You know, I mean, you can put, See, this is what I just keep coming back to is that you can put out all these good stories. You've donated millions to, to a charity or a children's hospital. You've done all this. But that will make the back page. You know, you, you might send, uh, you might message someone, I don't know, you might message someone on Instagram. Hey, do you fancy coming out for a drink? Like, and then that is on then the back page. Oh, this person's, you know, trying to arrange this during lockdown. And you think like, well, how is that? back page news when look at all the good work that people are doing so you know I, th- I think I think the media are good and bad you know like I said I definitely for the positivity if you've done something good or the media have highlighted you've done something good or positive that obviously then comes out that's in the papers and people see it so I think you do need that like but in terms of column in, as you say in terms of yeah, commentaries, you're getting a small piece versus if it was a scandal or something, you're getting a full page, aren't you? Yeah, you're getting a full page and, you know, people read them five or six pages about what a bad guy you are, but they'll miss the half page where you've donated a million pounds to a charity. I mean, what, I, what I'm trying to say is that, yes, you know, athletes do need the media because as well as the media spreading all the negativity what, 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 what do they do say spread. any press any any publicity is good publicity right yeah exactly you know we said you know that the media are very sort of cutthroat but at the same time there are any positive sort of if you've done something positive the media you know do they do print that i know it's small print but you know that does obviously still help your image and people will read about you know some good that you have done so yeah, like I said, you can't control the media, but I think, you know, the media do play a massive part kind of in your image. So, it, I mean, if I was just, you know, a professional sports man or woman or athlete, I I would just be worried about sending a message to someone or like someone leaking things to the press, you know? And for me, that I, I would be on edge like all the time. For me, I would think... That's the I, problem. I would like, be Naomi, think... and I would be so worried about it all the time. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, do you think? Like, do you think that's necessarily fair? Or, but see, I suppose uh, this is where I'm going to probably question that's now. Part and parcel of the job, though, isn't it? It's part well, and parcel it, well, of the job. You're, you're a public is... figure. You're in a public eye. This is where I was going to ask a question on this, actually. And I, I uh, for example, let's take footballers. Footballers are probably what some of the most documented athletes in in the media you know especially in the uk in europe you know anyone does anything whether it be good or bad performance on on or off the pitch scandal non-scandal it's probably going to end up in the in the paper either on the front page or the back page you know let's take john terry let's take john terry for example he wins champions league he's on the back page of the you know the paper he sleeps with wayne bridge misses he's on the front page so either way, that is, that's, you know, that's just the way the media is. However, what I'm trying to get is, one, should that be the case? You know, 
should the media have such an insight into these athletes' lives? Is that fair? You always see documented that, oh, well, so-and-so's the next amount of week, so-and-so's the next amount of week. So what? If somebody reported how much you were in a week, you'll be fuming, wouldn't you? No, well, oh, no, yeah, well, of course you would. Yeah, you'd be raging. So, Absolutely you know, if, 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 some, if somebody went on Facebook or, you know, obviously, because let's be frank, you know, for the average Joe, social media is that form of publicity, that, if that form of media is a form of media, social media. You know, if somebody posted something on, on media that you didn't want to get out, let's say, for example, you know, you were sleeping with somebody, you were gambling, you had lost stuff, any form of gossip is on there. People want to know. Now, you'd be fuming if that was you. You'd be like, why is my public, if, what's my personal information out of the public? But it's almost acceptable and that, that is the case for sports stars. Now, again, is, is that right? Is that fair? Well, it, it's just, like I said, you know, negativity just sells, doesn't it? And people want to, you know... But is people, that the point? Is that doesn't look fair, is it? <laughs> no, no, you're right. It doesn't, you know, and, you know, let's, I mean, let's look at it from the episode, you know, we work in the media and I, I know that I can sell a million papers by revealing that someone's been gambling and they've pissed away, I don't know, 500 grand. Or would I run with a story that's going to sell me a hundred thousand papers and it's about someone donating a quarter of a million pounds to a charity. Now being the media, you're, I mean, you're not thinking about what it's going to do to this, this guy, his family, you know, his kids and all that. I, you know, it just doesn't seem to cross their mind. And, you know, it will sell. So, you know, for for media, the journalist, I mean, I mean, what, what can you do? You know, I it is it is so difficult. But I think when someone comes out and says, look, I've been struggling with mental health and, you know, and my depression, <clears throat> I don't think what we should be doing is plaster that and, you know, twist it into a slightly sort of negative headline and slap it on the back page to sell papers. That just doesn't help. So what are, know, we saying like then, that, are we saying that actually the point of some of the problems with the media is it's this whole, you know, business versus moral versus ethical view in that, yeah. you know, it's probably not, it's not ethical to, to go invade someone's privacy or talk about, you know, certain subjects, but, you know, and likewise, it's obviously not morally right to do that, but from a business point of view, it absolutely makes sense, you know, probably, you know, yeah. bluntly speaking, whether you agree with that or not, that's the way it is and that, they shouldn't really do this. They shouldn't post stories and get clickbait and they shouldn't make, you know, obviously uh, there are people who, who do make up complete utter horseshit, but from a business point of view, it sells papers, it sells columns and sells subscriptions. Mm. And that's all sort of what they're interested in. This is my, my problem with the media at the moment is that let's say Marcus Rashford, right? Again, he's been doing bits and you know for people, you know, you know, big up Marcus Rashford for doing that. You know what he's all done with kids and what he's done for for people and people in poverty and so. And like the media have actually helped build him up. I guarantee you, somebody is out there right now trying to find some dirt on him. They, he probably doesn't have any, but if he, you know, if he if he was, I think we mentioned it before. If you know, if he came out of a nightclub steaming, smoking with some bird on his arm. Oh mate, it'd be it'd be on the front page like what's Marcus doing? It's like, it's like he is doing what every other guy his age does on on a weekend, but the fact that he's somehow an athlete, he's a footballer, he's not, you know, he's under scrutiny for doing that. Again, I just don't know whether or not this is, you know, a moral issue, an ethnic, uh, you know, an ethical issue, whether or not there needs to be some sort of clamp down on on this. 
because as you as we say this is yeah, we don't know i mean i i, I remember watching um a, a video on um on with anton ferdinand it was all about like sort of grief and and sort of stuff basically he was saying how uh he like his 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 mum obviously him and real ferdinand brothers his mum passed away he was playing for west ham at the time and he was devastated he didn't want to play all sort he phoned the gaffer up he's like i don't want to play what so we need to play he's like me and my mum just died he's like no you need to play so he's devastated right so he steps out of the house he says and he's got to have a professional image he's got you know he's got to play football he's, he's having a couple of bad games you know um, for, I mean, obviously, we didn't notice at the time, but you're like, yeah, I sympathise. Your your mum just passed away. Your mind's on other things. Your mind's not on football. And then he comes out and says, you know, I go home, cry, and I'll be upset, and I'll be sad, my mental health's in bits because my mum just died. He was spotted down the street. And he said he couldn't hold it together, and then he's in tears. Someone's packed him. Someone's took a picture and he's like, oh, why is he crying? All sort. He's having, you know, he's having a shit for West Ham at the moment. You know, he's on X amount a week. And I know we're not trying to get on the issues on what footballers earn, but then the media use it as a weapon. And rather than, as you say, focusing on sort of the main issue, I'm not, again, it's this whole spin of narrative, isn't it? In that the core stuff that you should be reporting on, you're not, you're bypassing and making up some sort of stories. James Haskell's quite vocal about it, actually, on his podcast. And it's about how one minute they want to be your best friend, take some pictures of yeah. you all great, but also take some pictures of you being a scumbag and post that and sell that to somebody else, you know, just to make some money. And I just think there's got to be something done in order to support these people because otherwise it's just going to massively affect, say, the like of Anton Fernand, James Haskell, Naomi Osaka's mental health. And then do we end up with another Caroline flat? Yeah. So what, what really gets me is, I think you touched upon it earlier, you know, we get someone struggling with mental health and, you know, unfortunately, you know, it got too much for Caroline Flack and everyone come out, you know, be kind, you know, be kind mental health. Someone then says, I don't want to talk to someone because it affects my mental health. And they're like, oh, well, well, it, oh, here's a fine. Well, like, well, how can we be saying one minute, you know, let's be really, you know, let's, let's think about, people's mental health you know before we do x y and z and then you know someone states their mental health and we give them a hard time for it i mean look at Meghan markle i mean make it that what you will um although i would make a point ironically is another female complaining about mental health and it just it just seems to just kind of like piss in the wind really so like mental health they're like yeah okay it, you and that's, know, and I, that's another way of the media. The media uh, spin its own narrative, aren't, aren't they? In that, exactly. How, how can how can you have mental health problems? You're you're a celebrity. You've got loads of money, and also again, like that makes a difference. But because the media are printing that, because the media put that spin on it, that mm. then feeds into public opinion. Yeah, and then that's another thing. In the how, like obviously how you know we talked obviously about sort of Rona and and vaccinations just just now on the pod, but. You know, I found out the other day, surprising statistic, ladies and gentlemen, something I found crazy. So the average IQ in the UK is only 100, which is mind-boggling that, you know, that is that is that low, to be honest. But at the same time, I give people the benefit of doubt that people aren't sort of inherently stupid. They People can make up their minds themselves. They can make opinions for themselves. But it does seem as though people are still spoon-fed these opinions through mainstream media and maybe not we need as a as a group of people need to start and that's another thing if you then challenge what the media is saying 
you're a heretic, you know, you're Mara, you're like, who who are you to call us out? Like, who are you to go against the status quo? And if you then do that, like, you're a madman, almost. And that's another is, thing I, I can't then, quite get my head around. <laughs> but, that, but then that's then turned on you. You know, you're, can't believe you call out the media. They spin it, oh, we didn't actually, actually what we said wasn't that bad. Your retaliation is, oh, maybe there's something else going on, you know. And then it's just an endless cycle. I mean, I just, I just, I mean, I put myself, I'll, I'll come back to Naomi Osaka, but I'll put myself in her shoes and I just think to myself, um, you know, like I, you know, I've, I've struggled with depression a little bit in the past. I mean, this is, this is a long time ago, but imagine just kind of feeling like that and, you know, just saying, I don't, I'm not comfortable doing this, you know, fair play to she's actually spoke about it. And then she's in the back page. She, I mean, she must be thinking, Oh, whatever I say, whatever I say isn't isn't going to end well. Do you, you, you know, like she she can say something tomorrow, come out and say, oh well, uh, you know, I I was in the wrong, and then they might then turn around and say, oh well, actually, yeah, you shouldn't have done that, and then she'll say, actually, I'm sticking to my guns, and I'm like, oh well, actually, you can't really do that, and just imagine like just struggling without depression, and then basically everyone just pissing on whatever you say, you know, yeah. like you can't be right for doing wrong, and I. I honestly, I just, I I really feel sorry for her. I yeah, really do. I think I think as well. The the thing is, is if people came out and uh, if people came out and called the media out for doing that, the response you would get would be, "We're just we're just journalists. We're just doing a job." And it's like, yeah. Well, okay. What well, you know? Shoe on the other foot now, lads and ladies. Let's not discriminate. Um, but you know, shoe on the other foot. If if I said that about me or you, or if, you know, I'm just doing my job. Again, you're still going to print whatever the fuck you want to print, and this is where yeah. I just I just think more needs to be done to sort of clamp down sort of on this because the way I look at it as well, if you went online now and by all means we support, you know, the whole ban on hate speech and racism. Look, look, we don't need to go into that per se, but you know, we absolutely support those movements. That social media and so on shouldn't have any hate speech or anything bad, but you know about you. But what happens if it's in the mainstream media? Okay, what happens if you don't agree with? what they're saying because as much as they're quick enough to print stuff when you know when people and sports stars you know have come out before and and question stuff or look at stocks of like wayne rooney jamie vardy you know people like james haskell you know other people you know but like people like tyson fury for example when they've been misprinted or misheard or you know the people who want to print whatever they want to print when they say this is this is false this is in fact you never really hear many public apologies which again, I think maybe the media need to be a bit more accountable for their actions because the same would be expected in sport of these athletes and what have you. Similarly, I think, again, just sticking on or just going back to the point on narratives, you can't say you want personalities, you can't say you don't want robots and you can't say you want people to be themselves. They then be themselves and then they get criticised for it. I just think again you need to have a look at yourself mr journalist and go what exactly are you after but what we need but let's let's sort of wrap this up now we i think that you know the media need to take a long hard look at themselves and look at what their role is on sport and how they're affecting athletes and obviously topically their mental health people's athletes mental health and how they portray and and what they do but what really needs to be done in order to help our athletes if anything yeah, it is a difficult one. You know, like you said, it, it's very much sort of 
business against against ethics isn't it and you know i i do think the media kind of needs to be regulated a little bit more i just don't think they they should be able to go and write you know what whatever it is that that they want um you know i think we need to be careful or the media you know tend to need to be careful about what headlines they're putting out because some headlines are really damaging you know and like you said there's not really much apology with social media we're saying stop online hate but as you quite rightly said well what are we doing about the written you know this is there in black and white people are reading it and you know people are reading the papers and they will make opinions of of a person based on what they're reading and you know what what they're reading will not exactly be word for word you know it'll be slightly twisted there'll be a spin on it it'll be you know they'll put quotes in but the quote won't reflect what they're talking about so you know i think i think you're right that the media do need to take a take a look at themselves um i think it, it definitely needs to be uh, a bit more regulated and uh, yeah i said it's a tricky one isn't it um yeah. what about you yeah, what, yeah. what you kind of I'm, I'm, in, I'm in agreement with you. I think there needs to be more to be regulation. I think you know the the media in itself could be all, you know be almost full of hypocrisy. You know, one minute they say next, and they you know, but but then they go and print something different. One minute, one minute they support somebody, and next minute they're 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 quick to, to slander and stab them in the back. I think realistically, we need to to look at what the media, not just social media and the average Joe, but but what you know, what journalists are doing to these athletes. And actually, you know, as much as you're saying so-and-so is racist to Rio Ferdinand, what we need to do is we need to to get them in a room and they need to be educated, which are, by all means, we we as a podcast totally agree with that, you know, that education piece needs to happen. If a journalist writes something about an athlete that they don't agree with, well, let's sit down in a room, shower, or let's get them on a Zoom call, let's do whatever we need to do, right, in order to educate that journalist. Because ultimately, just because they're a journalist, they're in a job, doesn't mean a they're particularly good at it, right? Or or, or b means that you know what they're what they're doing is effective. They're meant to almost assist these athletes, but because as we I think we've highlighted, they both need each other. Athletes yeah. need the media to pump up their tires, and the media need athletes to, to sell s- stories. Whether or not that is good or bad or what have you. But, Again, that's something we need to still, still agree on. But more regulation always needs to happen in terms of how is the media affecting these people? Are they too intrusive? Are they going stage too far? Are they setting people up? Are they not? Are they spreading rumors? Are they spreading shit? Like what? Because again, if you did that in any walk of life, if I sort, if I talk shit about you, you'd come straight up to me and go, "What are you doing now?" You know, you probably want to try and fill me in. Yeah, you know. Why? Why is? Why is that? You know, if you, whatever, or you try to call me out, you embarrass me in front of people in any other walk of life. People wouldn't have it, but apparently, it's acceptable in the world of sport. So yeah, I totally agree. More needs to be done for regulation. More needs to be done to support our athletes. And you know, as much as these athletes will go through media training with the professional organisations, I think maybe these people need to actually go through some some training of their own and how they're affecting the lives of athletes. Look. There's probably a lot we've missed, probably a lot, you know, we'd probably be on this podcast in about three hours. But guys, if you do have any sort of any comments, any questions, we'd obviously not look offend anyone. Or if there's anything you don't agree with, get in touch with us at Tackle Pod uh, on Instagram, on Twitter, I'd say Tackle Podcast on Facebook group. 
we'd love to hear from you. Um, and likewise, if you want to tackle the pod, we're still looking for another person to tackle the pod. Um, we had, you know, a good, yeah. good run of people, didn't we, Ross? But it's dried up. So by all means, sign yeah. our DMs and we'll, uh, we'll sort something out. Right. Yeah, completely agree. Get involved. Right. Good Speaking fun. of getting involved, there was a couple of big football matches in the week, Ross. Was there? There was a, there was a couple, believe it or not. Uh, a couple uh... of uh, European finals, shall we say. Yeah, a couple of big ones. Wow, let's go with uh, the Europa League, I feel. I feel the first one that uh, happened in the week. I don't want to start on the Europa League first. Well, we're starting Um, on the Europa League. The uh, Europa League makes me sad. It does, yeah. I know it makes you sad, but we're going to have to cover it. Um, Go on. Wow, wow. I mean, Manchester United drawing one all with Villarreal. Uh, Villarreal coming away, winning. 11-10, 11-10, you heard that right, 11-10 on penalties. Uh, well, Leon, what, what's your reaction? How, how did you, uh, what did you make of the game? Did you enjoy it? And uh, how were your nerves with the penalties? First of all, I thought I'd, I was going to be up to about three, 3 in the morning, the way the penalties were going. I thought, There's, they haven't missed one yet. I thought, I've never, yeah. known, I've never known it go over the, the allotted five before. But everyone was was being slotted in top bins. Oh, there's defenders like like slotting it like they were seasoned strikers. I thought they couldn't do this in the ninety or the hundred and twenty minutes before, could they? But no, when it comes to a when it comes to a penalty shootout, yeah, no problem. But uh, I think Man United kicking themselves. And one thing, one theme actually, one theme I've seen in both finals, which I'll be honest with you, is a bugbear in mine, Ross. It grinds my gears. It's not quite a rant. But it's something I want to highlight. Managers who have a tried and tested system for a tournament, they will more or less have a, a, a cup side, which you know Man United traditionally have done this season. Not for the likes of Henderson in goal, you know Eric Bailly and Lindelof, you know switching obviously with Harry Maguire in defence, you know McTominay, Fred throughout the tournament, sometimes managed in midfield, you know Greenwood being the mainstay, complete shift. When it comes to final time, formation change, systems changing. Look, I know finals are one-off games, okay? Some things go out the window of final, but ultimately, you tried and tested systems shouldn't be one of them. If you know what if 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 what wins your games works, and let's be frank, Man United were convincing, especially in dismantling aroma in the in the the semi-final before. Yeah, they did, didn't they? Why would you mess with that? Yeah, I mean, I I, I looked at. Uh, you watch Man United absolutely dismantle Roma. Uh, I remember watching it, and uh, obviously Arsenal were then uh, drawing Villarreal at the time. And I thought to myself, Man United are going to. If Arsenal Villarreal go through, obviously Villarreal went through. I thought Man United are going to blow them out of the water. Yeah, uh, I, thought, I, mean, I, I, I thought the same. I thought either of side go through a page United. It's United yeah. to lose. Frankly, yeah, I and thought that it was. Exactly what happened. And it was that evening as well. Like you said, I don't, I don't get why. Well, they changed it. I, I mean, I, I was pretty confident the main that we're going to win. Um, I mean, I saw the side, I saw you know those those handful of changes, and I thought, yeah, I still think United should have should have won. One thing that really bugged me, um, and I, I, I don't know where where you stand on this, but I saw that uh, Paul Scholes was getting a lot of heat. Uh, you know, he was saying. Quite rightly, Villarreal, they came seventh for La Liga. Look how bad Real Madrid and Barcelona were. Um, and they finished seventh. Man United should beat them comfortably. You know, he was getting some stick and all this, and everyone was like laughing at him. But but what he said was right. 
And I said the exact same thing. Man United should have beaten Villarreal. Like, on, on paper, they were the better side. And I, and I don't get, like, the amount of stick that he got for it. Maybe because he's United and it's probably from, uh, it's probably because it's from, you know, not United fans. But I, I, for me, I just thought, yeah, Man United should have, they should have beaten them. And I'll be honest, I think they probably had, they probably had, enough chances I thought maybe they did have the better of the play in the game um, I thought they maybe should have should have won but look you know that's that's football yeah, for you isn't it that's, that's, why we, that's why we love the game yeah I think you know what this is elements of the big tackle actually tri- trickling into our review now and that you know again we want pundits to be themselves we want you know we want, uh, we want them to have opinions and we want them to come out with sometimes controversy Paul Scholes has done that and again he's been like Slated for it. Oh, he's a he's a United fan. Of course, he's going to say it. it's irrelevant if you're United fan or not. Ultimately, Man United are second in the Premier League. They've had a pretty good season, all, all, all things considering. They probably have been up into the final, the best side in that tournament in the Europa League. Yeah, they were the bookies' favorite going in, and actually a justified justified favorite. I think in the game, their their first half was one of the poorest first halves I've seen Man United play all season. To be honest with you. Their way of dictating the play, you know, the sloppiness in midfield. I'll be honest with you, as a United fan, Lindelof, he needs to get in the bin. They need to offload him. They need to offload him in the summer. He just ain't good enough. And I also think that game highlighted how, how crucial Harry Maguire is for Manchester United and potentially maybe England in the Euros. But that's, that's obviously a, a, a chat for another time. But He's, you know, the six games he was he was uh, unab- unavailable for, they've conceded in all five, you know, losing four of them. Now, if that doesn't say how how much of an influence he has in defence, I don't know what does. And, that, you know, look, fucking don't, nobody at me, nobody signing at the end, oh, yeah, but he's worth 80 million. I couldn't give a shit if he's worth eight million. I couldn't, really, couldn't give a shit if he's worth eight quid. Only he is been the mainstay of United's defence and that is one of the reasons that they lost essentially but I just don't think they took the, the ball by the horns in the first half they came in the second half and I thought actually they look a bit better here and they started playing their strengths, playing down wide you know, getting people, getting Cavani on the ball getting, you know, rushed on the ball dictating the play in midfield McTominay probably had one of the better games in the second half I've seen him play all season as well, bigger mix source yeah. but it's just too little, too late. And I think Villarreal's goal was a lucky goal to get. And they did what any team would do in a final. Score one, put eight in defence. It's what they did. And even in, even when it comes to extra, extra time, they Villarreal did not look like they were going to... They did not look like they were, they were there to entertain any form of attack. They wanted to get to penalties. and Because let's be frank, in a penalty shootout, you could be Barcelona against Tufty Rovers, right, frankly. But it's a penalty shootout. And, it, you know... Anything goes really, just you know, and it takes a couple of misses, but yeah, it's sloppy performance from United. And if anything, if Ollie had won that game, everyone would be saying how good Man United have been this season. You know, they've done well to get to a you know semi final of of the FA Cup. You know, lose, obviously lose lesser. You know, final Europa League, and they would have won it. Second in the table, of all the criticism of the last couple of years, people have gone, actually, United, fair play, had a good season, they've turned the corner. The reality is, there's now an inquest at United. Why haven't they done this? Why haven't they come in silverware? Why have they, 
uh, again, obviously, you can't win either way, really, can you? But I don't really know what this means to United now because on paper, as we say, they have a very good squad now. I think they do have a good squad. Maybe like every other team that we've discussed, lacking in one or two positions, maybe need to offload, bring in some reinforcements in certain positions. But this one game almost summarises United's season. Peaks and troughs. More, you know, a few luck, you know, a few errors have led to, to costly mistakes. But on the whole, good performances. Yeah, I thought there were. I thought there were some positives. I mean, it's one of them. Maybe not Man United, just with Man United known for winning. But I think if you would have said to a Man United fan, you'll finish second in the league, uh, you'll get to Europa League final, maybe should have won it. Okay. But, you know, you probably would have taken that before the season. I mean, certainly finishing second in the league. Um, so, yeah, I think United are going, they're going in the right direction. And like you said, it's just the peaks and troughs and getting the consistency. But like you said, you know, you are potentially maybe one or two penalties away from having a fantastic season to, you know, an inquest. So, um, yeah, I, I thought it was... Uh, speaking thought of which, speaking of, the penalties, speaking of penalties, I know we might come on this in our hero and donut of the week. De Gea, I think you've had your time, mate. I think you've had your time. And he's been a great, he has been a club legend for Manchester. There's no doubt. Anyway, any fan, whether they be Man United or not, who says that isn't the case, like we say, it's our, it's our, our episodely catchphrase. Give your head a wobble. You know, player of the season for what, four seasons? You know, he's made, you know, FIFA team of the year, like five seasons. He's, you know, two, three, four Premier League Golden Gloves. Now, there's no way he's not one of the greats of Manchester United, but I think he's just passed his prime now. And it may be time to hand over the reins to Dean Henson. But one yeah, thing for me, and again, we will come on to Donut of the Week. One thing I couldn't, uh, we, you know, we will cover this in the Donut of the Week, but realistically, he's given the notes for the penalties and then decides to ignore them. And then, lo and behold, every <clears> penalty <throat> that was been noted goes where it should have gone. It's like, mate, just read the fucking notes. Yeah, that's what you do your homework for, don't you? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, uh. look. There's, I think one thing we can say for certain, or as we say for certain, not just in Manchester United, but with a lot of teams, there will be a big summer of transfers. The Euro, the Euros will be a showcase for some of the biggest talent in, you know, in the in the world of European football, um, and it will be a case for you know people. It'd be like the Euros would be like the football equivalent of the shopping channel. And football managers would be there going, oh, that looks good, that looks good. You know, I might want one of him, might want one of him. That's what it would be. And then as soon as it's over, bang, get get on the phone, stick the credit card details in, next day delivery from Amazon Prime, bang, he's in the club. Yeah, I think so. I think that's, that's the Euros is going to be, I think that's going to be one of the most, more of the sort of like interesting sort of things to watch, what comes out after it. Because remember the World Cup, when Colombia did well and James Rodriguez you know, he just lit it up. You know, next he's going there, Madrid. Yeah, he sort of came in under the radar. Like people knew he was he was good, and then you know, we've seen like how good he is now. So, interesting to see what happens after the Euros. I think, I think, I think you're right. It'd be uh, good, good to see. You know, watch your space, see what happens. I guess. Yeah, but that's what's up with Europa League. 
Ross, Champions League final. You know, I'm not going to do the soundtrack. I've embarrassed myself before in this pod doing the soundtrack. But Chelsea won, Man City nil. The famous, fabled Champions League trophy, the one that Pep's always wanted at his time at Chelsea, has slipped through his hands, you know, once again. And he's literally got to within a couple of inches of it. Chelsea worthy winners. Did City miss out? Did, you know, what, again, what does this sum up for City, really? Yeah. Just now I, on the treble. Yeah, I think Pep got it wrong. I thought it was weird that, you know. Man, how many times have we ever said that? Yeah, I mean, I think it was Julian Lescott uh, building up to the game. He said he's always ever played Fernandino or Rodbury. And this one, he didn't. He didn't have a striker. He went with, you know, De Bruyne was kind of playing a, a, a false nine. And, I mean, you can't question Pep Guardiola, can you? Uh, but, I mean, you know, they lost. And I'm sat there going, you know, what, why did they do that? It, it was odd. It didn't make sense. I think Chelsea just got it right. That's the only way I can explain it. They just got it spot on. Tuchel got it bang on. And... I mean, there's a whole load of names you can throw out. I mean, they had some amazing games. Like Reese James, I thought was brilliant. That man and Golo Kante, I thought was my man and Golo. He was great. I thought Christensen when he came on. I know Thiago Silva went went off, but Christensen put some great blocks in. And you man, know, Mason Mount as well doing bits. Yeah, Mason Mount did bits. That through ball was unbelievable. Um, you know, for for the winning goal. I just thought Chelsea they weren't they weren't flashy you know they weren't playing this old attractive football but they got a result at the end of the day and I thought they tactically got it right from from kickoff basically they did what every football team should do but what every football team traditionally do in a final is listen guys we only need one we don't need to not like in a league fixture or whatever it needs we need the batter sides we need one goal we need to sit back you did it Tuchel very much took a page at the Jose Mourinho handbook. Like he probably left it in a drawer somewhere at Stamford Bridge and thought, oh, I'll have that, you know. And that's essentially what happened. They got the goal and they thought, I'm going to sit back. And yeah, Pep did did select a very attacking style team. And again, this goes back to one point I just made about you know, with Oli as well, probably the tight, tried and tested made of where, let's be frank, they have been the best side. In, well, they've been one of the best sides in yeah. Europe all season. Obviously, fought falling at the last hurdle, but it's obviously coming back to backfire for them again. I think they still had some good performances, sort of in the in the side. I still think you know their defense has been solid all season. You know, John Stones, Ruben Diaz, just you know, quality. De Bru- obviously, De Bruyne got injured. You know, fractured eye socket or orbital bone, or whatever. You know, that was just unlucky. Um, but it's sad that obviously Aguero hasn't been able to get the send off he wanted. Pep's obviously missed out on the uh, on the on the famous treble. I mean, I just want to you know. Last time I checked, Man United did ones with the treble. So unlucky City fans, but them's be the facts. Uh, don't 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 hate on me. Don't hate on facts. Um, but look again, the problem you got now is although City have had a great season, they've won the Premier League comfortably. They won the League Cup. They've got to the semi-final of the FA Cup. Was it semi-final? It was semi-final FA Cup, you know. And uh, and obviously they've got to the final of Champions League. That is still a spectacular season, but it will be deemed as a failure. And obviously maybe that's just the expectations of City and City fans and the board and the club. And you know, I suppose if you want to be the best, though, you've got to set your sights that high. 
But where do they go now? Because, you know, they've got a great squad. They don't need... But maybe, obviously, maybe as we've spoke before, now Aguero will even get a striker. They don't need to go and spend 400, 500 million on players. So is it more the same or do they need the shake-up? Because they will get challenged the coming season. Of course they will. Yeah, of course they will. I don't think they need to do anything dramatic. I think it'd be more of the same. Um, you know, just uh, just to mention that Pep has not actually won the Champions League without Leo Messi. So, uh, hey, maybe they signed Messi. But no, I think... Um, Can you imagine? I, th- I think they'll need to replace Aguero, whoever that is. I mean, if they pull off a, I don't know, a Haaland or Harry Kane, I think they're just going to be up there again. I think they'll be up there again. Uh, whatever they do, just just with the quality that they've got, um, it'll be more of the same. I don't think Pep will change much. I just think you have to replace Sergio Aguero, which is, you know, easier said than done. Um, but I think that's the only thing they would put, maybe look at look at doing. Um, but yeah, they'll they'll still be at their challenge again, Man City. I think that the, the squad's too good uh, to not to really. Um, I mean, how, how do you see it going, Leon? I'm, I kind of, I just see it a bit more, more of the same. Do you? I, see, I, I see it more. Say, I think look, they're, 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 they, they've reached almost elite status now, or they, or, you know, they have rather than almost, whether people like it or not, they are no longer a small mid, mid-table club city, and if anything, they are, they're no longer a noisy neighbour in Manchester, are they? Because they, they are serial winners yeah. now. I think their actual biggest problem will be trying to keep hold of some of their, their stars, and obviously keep hold of Pep. Uh, I think as well, and I don't really. I'm not saying that. I, I think Pep's going to go anywhere. I don't think any of us are, but you know, it's frustrating, isn't it, when you can't win a Champions League, and obviously it's only so you know only one side can win it that year. When Leroy Sané left Man City, it was a bit of a surprise, of course. But again, you can only have so many stars, and whether or not you know they get rid of some aging players like Fernandinho, he's 36, Carl Walker, he's 30. Um, to be seen, and maybe they just sort of freshen up the squad a little bit. Who knows? But I, I think they need a striker, and they, I do think they'll get a big one. I'm not sure who, and you know, I'm not going to start insinuating that. But you know, they definitely just—that's the one thing they need to get one striker. And as we say, they will. It'd be them and or another who are going to challenge for the probably Manchester United, I imagine, for the or Chelsea for the Premier League title. But we'll see, and we'll see. But. Obviously, congratulations, Chelsea. I say we've talked enough about Chelsea. Uh, sorry, about City. Congratulations, Chelsea. Some big performances. You know, uh, Tuchel's done an absolute bit since arriving. I think they're only going to kick on as well. And, you know, as may, maybe things are just starting to turn at Stamford Bridge. And actually, the, the signings that Frank Lampard brought in, are maybe not Timo Werner, he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. But... <laughs> Mr. VAR. Yeah, but ultimately, like things seem to be turning turning the corner at Chelsea, and maybe they're going to be a, a challenger. Sort of, you know, again, they've had a successful season. They've made top four. They've won Champions League. They've got to an FA Cup final. I, I, if I was a Chelsea fan, if you said that to me at the start of the season, I would be buzzing. I'd be like, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. Why, why, why wouldn't I take that? I don't dare only again. And another another side is going to go strength to strength and. It'd be interested to see what they do in the summer. But nonetheless, the big one, the richest game in football is unfortunately not the Champions League, Ross. It is the playoff final. Brentford are in the Premier League, Mike. Brentford are in the Premier League and thoroughly deserved. Uh, Would you agree? 
mate, they've been the best side. They've been one of the best sides in the championship. Yeah. Um, all season. 100%. I mean, obviously, big congratulations to Norwich, big congratulations to Watford. We've mentioned their congratulations, but I think Brentford have definitely been one of the best sides in the Championship for a while now. And, and you know, 10 times trying to get into, into the Premier League, 10 times in the playoff has finally come after them. I mean, fair credit. I mean, my man, Ivan Tony, what a legend, doing absolute bits, wow. scoring what is 34th goal this season? 34, so, yeah, yeah. So you know, it'd be interesting. The one thing I'm always interested in these with these people is whether or not they can actually do it in the Premier League. And I don't mean that in any disrespect, but how many times have we seen somebody? Dwight Gale is a great example, you know, of somebody who's tore up the the Championship, comes to the Premier League, had a couple of cracks at it, and not quite scored as many as people think he should. Um, Yeah, I, I. what do we think with Brentford, though? Because, look, Norwich are a tried and tested Premier League side. Look, they I know they yo-yo. Maybe they're probably going to spend a year or two in the Premier League, probably go back down. They're just that sort of club. Sorry, Norwich fans, but, you know, that is what history has told us. Same with Watford. Brentford, this is their first time ever in the Premier League. Look, apart from the obvious, what do they need to do? Where do we see them going over the next season? Can we see them kick on like Leeds, like Wolves or like Sheffield? Not this season, they were dog shit, but the season before. Yeah, I think it's a difficult one. I mean, looking at the three teams that are going up, I think Brentford are probably the ones that I think will finish higher um, than, a, than a Watford or Norwich. That's my, uh, that's my uh, guess. I'm just going to throw it out there. I just... Yeah, I thought they were probably one of the best teams in the Championship. I know Norwich come up as champions and, you know, they obviously did well. But, yeah, I think for me, I think Brentford will, will finish above them. I can see them staying up maybe for a, for a year or two. Whether they, you know, whether they push on, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, you've got to look at kind of stadiums and, you know, I mean, although Brentford new They've stadium, got a new, as well. new stadium, new stadium, yeah, new stadium. So you know that maybe. I think what they may, need to do, help them a little bit. I think what they need to do is not do what a lot of clubs do and go and spunk a load of money on loads of players. You see people yeah. and I, oh, look. If you're going to play in the Premier League, you do need a squad, and not just a, like a first level, but you do need a good squad. And you do see a lot of players go, we probably haven't got a good squad. Let's buy 10 so players. It never fucking yeah. works. It never, ever works with with teams. And they go, well, we've got all this money now. Let's go buy 10, 5 million pound worth players. They're never good enough. Well, they, I think what, no, you, you, you've had a side good enough to get into the Premier League. The likelihood is that, you know, 80% of that squad are probably Premier League quality. Yeah, okay, you're probably not, you know, the other 20% probably aren't. Fair enough. But spend your spend your money on experienced quality Premier League players who've been around a bit, who know what they're doing in key positions and build from there. Uh, if you were just going to go out and buy some random player who plays in like Division 2 in France and you think he's going to do a job, you're, I think you're talking like, I mean, don't get me wrong, if you're lucky enough to find the next N'Golo Kante, then you're just lucky. But I'd rather I'd rather see Brentford spend 20, 30, 40 million pounds on a, on a good player who's going to do him a job all season, probably play 30 of the 38 games and try and keep him up rather than say, you know, four seven and a half million pound players that probably aren't good enough anyway. Yeah, I mean I think Brentford do have a good 
you know, they do have the basis to 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 actually start playing in the in the Premier League. I mean, Ivan Tony is a goal machine. You you've already said that. You know, they've got Mbuemo up front as well. They've got Pontus Janssen at the back. Reyes a good little keeper as well. You know, they've got Canos in 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 left mid. So look, you know, they they have got they have got quality. I I do think they will have to add. They will have to add. Um, like I, every I think team that goes up. Every team that goes up. Like, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. You know, if they go and spunk 100 million on on 10 players, it's, it, it doesn't work. We've seen it before. It just doesn't work. You know, you've got to add a few more players. And I think what, what I would really want to see from Brentford is then to carry on the style of play that's got them promoted. Because, you know, Ivan Tony scoring these goals because the way that they play is free-flowing, it's quick, they get the ball out wide, you know, they whip it in and, you know, get those crosses in. So, I don't want him to go away from that. And I think there's no doubt Ivan Tony's going to score goals in the Premier League. I mean, you look at Leeds, Patrick Bamford, people ask questions about him, but they didn't change the style of play that worked for them when they got promoted. And, you know, look where they are. Look how many goals the guy scored. Um, you know, you could argue he could probably be in the Euros. But, you know, with Brentford, that's what I'd want them to see. I think they've got the base of a good Premier League team. You know, I, whether I, I can't see them maybe finishing any higher than maybe 13th, 14th. I think, I think 15th. 14, 15, I think would be a good season for Brentford. Mate, I, think if they, mate, I think if they get seven teams, they'd be buzzing in the fact of that. Oh, of course they will. They, yeah, they yeah, stay in the Premier League for a year. So it, get, say, it just gives them a chance to build rather than sort of being that first sort of, you know, going down on the first seventh and nobody ever wants to be out of your side. Sorry, Norwich fans. Right. But um, yeah, we obviously wish them all the best and we hope that they can they can do bits and we do look forward to, um, to, to seeing them in the Prem. Now, Ross, I know you normally at this time of the podcast normally have a rant. It's my turn to have a rant this week. It is. It is. Uh, I'm. I'm excited for this one, Leon. I'm gonna. I'm gonna strap in. I'm fucked off. I'm. I'm sorry. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, uh, for these just now. But I'm fucked off, uh, Ross. Right. So I was all excited. I thought, you know, I'm. You know, my luck of going away, as people who know me, is pretty fucking abysmal. In that. It always gets cancelled, something comes up, things move on, things get in the way, whatever it is. I know it's the same for a lot of people, especially over the last sort of 18 months with Rona, right? I can't tell you how much I was looking forward to going to Scotland talk to Lions versus Japan. Now, I know I'm in the same boat with a lot of different people who unfortunately received a disappointing email that their tickets have been cancelled. I was heartbroken, I'm not going to lie. It was probably my only chance to see the Lions uh, play probably in my lifetime on home. So, you know, I probably won't have the money to go uh, on a tour. Now, my rant is not to let people feel sorry for me because I'm not going. The point being is this, right? Too many sports teams, sports organisations, governing bodies and what have you, have been too reactive and not planned accordingly or demonstrated effective ways of working, systems of, of fans and what have you due to pandemic we've had this pandemic for 18 months now almost two years right you can't tell me you knew this is happening over you know whenever you knew this was happening no obviously i know i'm using lines example why are you then a month before it goes live telling people that would have planned like i have 
planned a hotel, planned travel, flights and, and what have you, put money aside, all this sort of stuff, to then go, oh, yeah, really sorry, guys, but it's been cancelled because, you know, we haven't got enough capacity. What are you talking about? What, what are you talking about? You could have let me know two, three months ago when you knew that was going to be the case or work with people or at least go, by the way, you know, this is when we're going to find out because people would have bought otherwise, would they? You know, and look, I know some things are out of these people's hands. I know governments recently have chopped and changed, but I think there's no excuse for piss ball planning. There is no excuse for going, right, let's have this contingency plan. Let's have this contingency plan. Let's have this contingency plan. Because ultimately, all you're doing is letting down the fans. And to make matters worse, the whole ticketed thing, the balls up that they've had, is they, the Lions said that the way they'd be cancelled would be essentially for last bought, first cancelled. Right? However, in the groups, so I was in group two, I had my, you know, I was with the first pre-sale group to get tickets i'd mind cancelled but people in three and four have got tickets it was all over twitter and stuff oh we got tickets what are you talking how is that even fair how is that how do you even justify that in your terms of condition and again i think it just comes down to piss poor planning and i know that sometimes you reacted to trials and what have you but come on guys this isn't new stuff you can't use the whole this is unprecedented times or this is new, the new, no, no, this is bollocks. People are used to this now. If other organizations, if other businesses, if other people can adapt, then so should you. And all you've done is piss off fans, not just obviously with the Lions game, but, you know, there have been people with football fixtures, people with the Olympics, people with all sorts of different bits and pieces that you've actually let down. And what makes matters worse, right, is that, they will still honour corporate seats. They will still honour hospitality. Oh, so you could will, yeah. you could argue by all means that well, yeah, well, they are earning a few thousand per box and what have you. I'd be honest, with you as a fan couldn't give a shit because most of these people, and I, I don't care this you know, realistically, most people who go to these matches to these events with the corporate tickets couldn't give a shit who's playing. They have no interest in the sport. They're all there there is for the free beer or the business contacts, what have you. They do not care about who's playing. Where the fans who paid the money, who are making big efforts to go, get disappointed and get left out. And ultimately, I just think it's an absolute shambles that it's allowed to happen. And then what's make matters worse, again, on the Lions scenario, they didn't come out and say, oh, yeah, well, we're not going to resell any tickets, but if people cancel, they can cancel. So let me get it straight. You're allowed a maximum of 16,500 people. If people cancel, let's say 1,000 people cancel, that's 15. So there's 1,000 people you've disappointed who would happily still go, but you're saying no. Also, families were told that children with uh, under the age of 14 could go, so they had to cancel anyway because they weren't allowed to bring their kids. So let's say that's another 1,000 people. That's potentially 49,000 people. There's 2,000 people who would still go, and you're going, yeah, really sorry. Just give them first refusal. Just go, do you want to buy your tickets, Pat? Yeah, I do, dickhead. Sorry, that went on, yeah. but fucking riles me Stupid. up. Stupid. No, you're, you're right. You're right. It's, it's been 18 months. It, it's nothing new. It's just... Yeah, you just expect more from people. It's, it's common sense. Get a contingency plan. You need to have well, backup it, plans. You can't it, just. It trickles down even it. to even into like local sport in that it's not obviously. Look, I'm obviously disappointed. I'm not going, and obviously not just me, but other people for the both this fixture and other fixtures. But even in like local sport, it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna locally play this game of football. We're locally gonna play this game of rugby or whatever. Yeah, but we're not allowed people to turn up. Why not? They're outside 
as long as they're so if i was walking down the street you know, distance, you know, yeah. if i was walking down the street on my own with social distance and, and, and what have you no one about an eyelid the fact i'm on the side of a field on my own stood not in the vicinity of anybody else apparently that's that that that's wrong i just say give your heads a wobble wow leon that, oh, that was my rant take, you might actually take my spot Carl, i think people are uh <laughs> feels good though, doesn't it i'll be honest a little rant does feel good get off your chest and oh. uh, you know makes you feel better but Honestly, I, th- I think moving forward, is, yeah. You, but again, like I say, just on the thing with the Super League, which will always stick with me now, all these organizations are saying it's all about the fans or do anything for the fans. I'll be honest with you, I think you talk utter horseshit, and all you're doing yeah. is all you're, you're there is to just make some cash. And yeah, anyway, we move on from my rant and we come on to the end. We always come on to the end, ladies and gentlemen. Very lastly, heroes and donuts of the week. My hero of the week, Ross, has to be the ref of the Champions League final with utter shithousery. It was up there, wasn't it? It was absolute. I'll help you up. I'll help you do it. I'll help you up. And bang, yellow card. I love it. It's just like, what? You just helped me up. He didn't really know, did he? He didn't know what was going on. I I thought it was brilliantly on. I actually thought he ref the game really well. I know there was that one moment, but. Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. That's exactly what you want. You know, massive final. I thought I thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah, what, you know, I just as we mentioned last week, just as you mentioned last week with Luke Pearson, he did a very good job in the Champions Cup final rugby. But uh, nonetheless, you know, we want, as much as we want the best teams in the final, we want to see the best game. We also want to see the best refs. And actually, this is an example of that where, you know, we had a very, very good ref, had a very good game and actually, let you know, that's that. And, I suppose at least he's done his job. So congratulations. Yeah, definitely. I think I think I I'd like to give out a shout out to uh, Her Majesty the Queen. Uh, not very Big up the Queen. related, but announcing for her uh, for her diamond ju- is it platinum jubilee? Platinum it jubilee. Platinum. Uh, a full day weekend with two bank holidays. I, I'm just throwing it out there, but that sounds fucking glorious. So two things, two she, things. I cool. hope one, uh, one. I, I hope that there's some sport on that weekend, so we can just oh, sit, yeah. sit sit in some form of beer garden, and it's nice weather. We just you know get on the get on the beers and watch the sport. Two, I hope she lives that long, just so we can just so we can uh, experience that. So the Queen, if you are listening, you're probably not. You you know GCHQ is probably listening to this at the moment. Please stay alive. <laughs> We want the four-day bank holiday. Yeah, we do. We do, definitely. Uh, oh, yeah. Middle of June next year. Beers, beer garden, warm weather, happy days. I think for me, hero of the week for me has to be N'Golo Kante. There's no there's no one else. I heard a rumour. win that for me. I heard a, a rumour oh, 70% of the world is covered in water. The rest is covered by N'Golo Kante. Yeah, I thought I thought he was brilliant. I thought he absolutely bossed it. Uh, he's just he's just what an incredible human being. Um, we've seen the video as well. Like all, all the Chelsea players walking up to it, giving it like a like a big kiss, and then Galakante just kind of like walks up to it and kind of like just grabs it and like walks off like he didn't know what to do. Um, I, I, I you just cannot dislike him, you know. And yeah, I, 
yeah, for me, he, he is just a hero of the week. Hero of uh, football. And he's now officially won everything. He's won the Premier League. Yeah. He's won the Champions League. He's won the World Cup and he's won the Euros. Yeah. And also, Olivier Giroud was. So I'm going to have to tell my grandson in 20 years how Giroud was not voted for Ballon d'Or but has won everything so um, work that one out on paper you could argue that he's well he's he's definitely better than most of your current Arsenal team so we'll just leave that there Um, yeah please big shout out as well to my man Baby Rhino uh, Ellis Genge just doing absolute bits of Leicester obviously proving all the haters wrong and you know why you should get a lot of line and obviously all those guys who you know are reacting positively to disappointment and yeah they've missed out on a line selection but for the last couple of weeks they've been doing bits of their clubs and actually showing that you know what I've still got a job to do and the season isn't finished and you know this is this is what I'm about so congrats Donut of the Week who you got Oh, I've got Pep Guardiola. Uh, I, I just feel that he got he got it wrong. He got it majorly wrong. Uh, you know, I think karma's kind of bit him in the ass, really, after his uh, his daughter was caught kissing Deli Ali. You uh, made that comment, obviously, saying you know Deli Ali never knew what a medal looked like, and then you know losing the Champions League wrong. final, going home. Uh, and then your daughter getting railed by Deli Ali, the guy you just slated. So uh, chin do you know up. Do you know what I do if I was Deli Ali? What's that? I'll be, be busting up Pep's daughter, filming it and sending it to him. Just be like, what, what, uh, just want, call me out, yeah? Call me out, yeah? Boom. Look at that. What would <laughs> you make of that, Pep? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and Take also, that, and also mm-hmm. one observation, Pep getting the medal, He they put it around his neck and then he then kissed it. You just finished. You just lost. Up. You've just lost. You've got a silver medal. You're kissing it. No. Yeah. Oh, Pep, you're a donut. You're a donut. Second, you're a donut. Just going across the other final of Europa League, I have to give him. I have to give my donut of the week to, to David De Gea, who literally got given the answers to like. Imagine getting like you got a test the next day, right? And someone was like, "You know that test you got tomorrow? Yeah. Here's the answers. You've got them all like." You know, written down you get to the test and then you just decide to ignore it and do your own thing and then you fail and you go I wonder why I failed well dickhead it's because you didn't fucking follow the answers that we gave you oh wait you know surprise surprise which is essentially what happened when you got the notes on the penalties which if he had stuck to the notes would have saved the penalty but I just think and then obviously that you know that's led to him bottling his penalty and no, maybe Man United have lost so, he probably should have know, saved two others as well. He probably should have saved two others and standard in English team loses on penalties. You know, and other news, war is wet. But David Hair, you're my donor of the week. And I think that wraps it up, Roscoe. Yeah, that, that, that does. Uh, plenty of donuts, plenty of heroes this week, which is uh, which is always good. Obviously, let us know who we're missing. You know, who are we missing? We must be missing a hero. We must be... Missing a donut. Let us know who it is. Who we missed. Uh, get in touch. But yeah, yeah, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Uh, yeah, so I mean, on. Been again, good fun we, as always. It's been a good. It's been a good fun. It's a good talk. We've covered controversy, obviously on, on the media. We've talked about you know how Garrett Gareth Southgate's Tinder life. How there should be Tinder for managers. I mean, I'm getting a full sort of dating vibe on this this episode, and maybe we'll I'll share a couple of stories in the future. Who knows? Probably not. I'll probably get some angry text messages or phone calls. But hey, nonetheless. <laughs> um, but uh, what we say is, 
name and shame. Um, but likewise, guys, if you were, let's say, as Ross says, if you want to get in touch with us, we're at TacklePod on Instagram, on, on on Twitter, on Tackle Podcast, on Facebook. You know it's a drill by now, as we said, it's a podcast where you can get us if you want to give us a listen. If you do give us a listen and you enjoy what we have to, uh, what we have to say and how we talk shit about most things other than sport, um, like ice creams, for example, by all means, give us a like, uh, a share, tell your friends, put it on your social media, help sort of grow our pod. And get in touch if you want to. If you want to hashtag tackle us, but it's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. Thank you very much. You take care.